Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. This episode is sponsored by Iroha, and we are also so excited to have them as one of the esteemed sponsors for our upcoming live show, Afternoon Delight, happening February 10th. Iroha is a Japanese sexual wellness brand created to help everyone discover and redefine pleasure. Iroha believes that it is important to prioritize the pleasure that our bodies desire as an essential part of self-care. I want to tell you about a pleasure tool from Iroha that I'm really excited about, the Iroha SVR. It is a rechargeable vibrating ring with seven vibration modes in a variety of beautiful colors. Suitable for both partnered and solo pleasure. It's waterproof and made of body-safe silicone, which is so important. Buy the Aroha SVR and get a chance to save 50% off Aroha Rin for a limited time only. And when you purchase the Aroha SVR, you will get one free Tanga Egg Lovers. Just go to sluttyscholars.com and click on the Aroha link. The SVR series has been listed as one of the 13 best vibrating rings by Women's Health, and I can understand why. It is super fun to use with my partner, but sometimes I like to just use it by myself because I enjoy it so much. Luckily, you don't have to choose, and you can use it solo or partnered to elevate your Valentine's experience. No matter what's going on for you, you deserve pleasure this Valentine's Day and every day. So go to sluttyscholars.com and click on the Aroha link to get that Aroha SVR and the awesome deals that come along with it. So go get your self-care on now with Aroha. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Melanie Crystal, named as one of Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Influential Women of 2022. Melanie is the inventor of Laurels, the world's first oral sex undies. Designed to look and feel like silk lingerie, Laurels combine fashion with material science utilizing 700% multi-directional stretch. It's very stretchy, I can attest, um, at just six hundredths of a millimeter of thickness. Uh, as founder and CEO of Laurels, Melanie holds multiple United States and international patents and has been featured in the New York Times, Fast Company, The Cut, Cosmopolitan, and countless other top-tier media outlets. Prior to creating and patenting Laurels, Melanie studied sociology at Columbia University and received her JD from Columbia Law School. So such a renaissance woman. Uh, She worked as a healthcare and consumer products attorney and was part of the legal team that secured gay marriage rights for the Western United States. Welcome, Melanie. Thanks so much, Nicoletta. I'm really excited to be here. Oh my God. So what shifted you out of law into latex panties? (laughs) 
So um, I had been a lawyer for several years and um, I wasn't totally sure that it was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I thought that maybe there was something else, but like, I just didn't know exactly what it was. And so um, I, at that point, uh, was married to my then wife. We went on our honeymoon um, to a, you know, romantic, beautiful place, um, you know, kind of remote on the coast of Mexico. And I guess because of the stress of the wedding, I was pretty worried that an STI that I had was going to start presenting itself. And, you know, we got there and we were thinking about like our intimacy options. And, you know, we hadn't brought oral dams with us. Um, I didn't really think that, you know, I was going to feel this way, wasn't too concerned about that. But then when we arrived, we clearly needed them. Mm. Um, But, you know, we were in a pretty remote location. And so it was really uh, impossible to even find them. Um, And then we like thought about it more and realized, like, is that really the romantic experience that we wanted like on our honeymoon? Did we really want to be holding up this flappy sheet of rubber, using two hands to hold it up, being worried that it might flip to the other side? So you're talking about dental dams. And I don't think I know a single person who uses dental dams. Um, And so I, and for people who don't know, what are dental dams? You already described them a little bit, but like floppy sheet of protective gear, but like, yeah, what, what are they? Right. Yeah. So a dental dam is basically a six inch by 10 inch sheet of latex. The reason it's called a dental dam is Mm -hmm. because it's derived literally from dentistry. It's basically a piece of rubber that you use to isolate a tooth during dentistry. And so interesting. um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually even prior to the invention of the oral dam, which is technically dental dams that are used for cunnilingus and analingus, mm-hmm. even before that was actually invented and brought to market, um, a lot of folks did actually use literal dental dams uh, for STD pre- pre- prevention during yeah. oral. Yeah. Um, but the problem with the actual dental dams is they're like 0.15 to 0.20 millimeters thick, which is it, it sounds like it's pretty thin, but actually it's so thick that it makes it pretty difficult to feel true sensation. Mm. So basically, um, the, the lore is that um, about 30 to 35 years ago, um, some folks at an STI protection convention yeah. uh, started talking with a couple of condom company owners and basically saying, hey, we need a better product for cunnilingus. Yeah. And the doctors, uh, or sorry, then the condom company owners were like, hmm, okay, interesting. Maybe we can create this. And so they did yeah. um, to their credit. Uh, but it's essentially the same thing. They're made at the same factories using almost the exact same process that dental dams are made, um, except they're thinner. So they're generally between 0.05 and 0.10 millimeters thin. So that's like uh, basically, you know, 
50% thinner than the prior dental dams had been. And it's basically the thickness of condoms. Mm -hmm. And so with that upgrade, um, you know, folks were able to actually feel more sensation during oral um, than they were when they were using the literal dental dams. Um, but that was really like the state of the invention until, uh, you know, it had been decades. And yeah. and basically, I, I thought women and people with vulvas deserved better. I had been a peer sex educator during college and I taught. About oh, me condoms. too. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So we, ha- we had dental dams and things, but nobody, nobody would come pick them up. Yeah, yeah. We we did have some people pick them up, but they just weren't a popular product. And, you know, over time, you know, in my 20s and early 30s, I used them and, you know, I loved that they existed. I, yeah. I thought it was a good it, it was it was good that there was a product for this activity, but I always thought just like the user experience was truly lacking. You know, I always think about if when condoms were invented, if they were bowl shaped and you had to like hold them in place the entire time while you were thrusting, like, I really don't think people would use condoms. It's just too difficult to utilize two of your hands to make sure that the device doesn't fall off and basically, you know, counteract the entire reason that you're using it. Yeah. And also just isn't like accessible for, for a lot of people to be able to use. And I, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm sure this is reflective of people like maybe not prioritizing certain kinds of oral sex. Right. And just being like, well, penetration is the thing that is the best. So we should protect with that. Um, But just to clarify for folks, what are the STIs that people can get from oral? Yeah, so you really can get almost all of the STIs that we generally are concerned about from oral. And sometimes the transmission rates are even higher. I really don't think people realize this. So I would say the two biggest ones to be concerned about that can be transmitted via oral are um, HSV and HPV. So HSV is herpes. Um, Herpes... uh, exists in two different forms, HSV-1 and HSV-2. And HSV-1 is generally found in the mouth and HSV-2 is generally found in the genitals. But the thing is that you can transfer HSV-1 to the genitals and you can transfer HSV-2 to the mouth. They go in both directions. And And for folks more curious on HSV, go back and check out episodes with um, Emily DePass and Courtney Brames. And we talk even more in depth about herpes, but yeah, so we've got HSV as a potential thing that you can, you know, share with somebody uh, during oral and HPV. Right. Yeah. Um, And just a note on HSV, um, a study out of Wild Cornell Medical School recently showed that 85% of genital herpes cases are thought to be transmitted orally. Mm -hmm. Like, that is really a very, very large amount. And I was pretty, yeah. I didn't even realize it, it was that high when I, when I heard that stat. And, um, you know, herpes is absolutely not the end of the world. It is a manageable condition. And, um, you know, I really do not like the vast amount of herpes stigma that is out there. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of folks who have 
um, HSV one, which also which presents as cold sores. So, like if you yeah. get cold sores, you have herpes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of folks who, who know that it is transmissible via oral really don't want to transmit that to their partners. It's not a fun thing for their partners to have to go to go through if they don't have to. Um, so that's HSV. Uh, then. HPV, um, human papillomavirus, um, is a very, very common STI that most women and people with vulvas will get at some point in their lifetime. There's many different strains of it. Some of them are essentially harmless, um, and some of them cause genital warts, and then some of them cause cancer. Yeah. And, you know, HPV the majority of the time is indeed harmless, but at some, t- uh, some different, uh, you know, types of, of strains can indeed cause cervical cancer. And another thing that I don't know if a lot of people are aware of is that it can also cause throat cancer and mouth, mouth cancer, yeah. oropharyngeal cancer. Um, and, those cancers used to be kind of the province of cigarette smoking. But at this point, HPV has actually surpassed cigarettes as now the leading cause of throat cancer in men. And um, what is understood by the CDC and um, a lot of entities that study this is a lot of this is due to HPV transmitted via oral sex. And most places don't test, don't do oral swabs, you know, and, and as we talked about, you know, you can get all sorts of things orally. So whether that be gonorrhea, chlamydia, HSV, HPV, you know, all the, all the, uh, the general things, um, most places are not doing oral throat swabs or rectal swabs as part of their exam. You have to go to places that specifically do that or ask. And oftentimes they're like, look at you blankly as like that. That's a thing people do. Um, yes. Why aren't more places doing this as standardized testing? So my theory is that it, it's kind of um, derived from the messaging that I kind of heard growing up and being queer and um, hearing about oral sex. And, you know, you know how like when you're teenagers or you're in your twenties, people are like, have you had sex before? And they mean penetration. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that because of that kind of terminology, a lot of folks, um, including queer people who don't necessarily engage in, in intercourse, um, kind of start thinking of oral sex as being lesser than, lesser than something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that absolutely is the perspective of the medical community. Yeah. Um, yeah, they see intercourse as kind of like the highest form of sex and therefore, and you know, the one that causes procreation and leads to, you know, reproduction and babies and all of those things. Um, and they also consequently think of it as being the main way that STIs are transmitted, but STIs can be transmitted in a lot of different ways. And if you have one mucous membrane that is prolongedly touching and, you know, engaging with another mucous membrane for a long period of time, it very much makes sense that STIs can be transmitted this way as well. And I think that the medical community is slowly catching on to this really just in the last few years. 
Um, the definitely the public health community is very aware. Like we have a lot of folks from the public health community that reach out to us and want to, um, you know, share more information with the communities that they educate about orally transmitted STIs. And I think the medical community is catching up as well. But, you know, there's been decades of messaging that we've all yeah. heard about like oral sac or excuse me, is uh, intercourse as being yeah. like ultimate form of connection between two people. And mm -hmm. it's just not true. Like oral sex is really, really wonderful. Um, some studies say it's three times more likely to lead to an orgasm for somebody with a vulva than intercourse is. Yeah. So, you know, I'm so celebratory of oral sex. I think it's amazing. Um, but it can also lead to disease transfer just like intercourse can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, for me, what I've been doing for testing is, and and I would encourage people to like talk to your practitioners about this and ask, you know, if this is something that they do and you can get as part of your standard panel. And it is going to require for most places for you to advocate for yourself, for yeah. them to, to not just assume like, oh, we're going to test you for the basic five or whatever it is to be like, I would like to be tested for a full panel. To me, a full panel also includes HSV one and two blood tests. It also includes um, you know, the oral and rectal swabs, like it also includes like swabbing for things that are maybe less common, like mycoplasm, like all these kinds of things. So you really have to ask and advocate. Um, and unfortunately, some of the places may not cover some of these additional things, you know, through, through your insurance. Um, what I have found at least in LA though, most of the LGBT centers, um, do offer these things because of course, queer people are always at the forefront of things that need to get done. Um, and, um, and the other place that I, you know, get tested though, this is usually out of pocket is talent testing. And this is where the porn performers go because they are getting tested every two weeks, sometimes more, um, for scenes and they have the most, um, they have a really fast turnaround and they also have some of the most in-depth testing that I personally have found in my local area. So see if there's a talent testing or testing that porn performers use because their standard is very high. Uh, in your area, though, warning, it can be a couple hundred bucks out of pocket. Okay, so you're on your honeymoon. You're like, I want to get freaky with my wife. Um, and you're bummed because you have an STI popping up. And as you said, it's not the end of the world. And obviously you have somebody who loves you and wants to exchange pleasure with you, but you're like, this is affecting our intimacy and our mood. Um, what made you like go to, you know, really creating something out of that, um, out of that experience? Cause it sounds like it was a bummer. Yeah, it was definitely a bummer. Um, you know, we thought to ourselves, can we go to any pharmacies around here? Do we think they're going to have dental dams? And then we, you know, think back to, you know, being in, we were in LA at the time, like, could you even go to CVS or Walgreens? No, you can't. So, you know, we certainly didn't think we were going to be able to find dental dams like in pharmacies off of the coast of Mexico. Um, at that point, Amazon was not an option. Like this was almost a decade ago. So, um, you know, we couldn't just snap our fingers and have dental dams available. Though you, could, though you could use your fingers. <laughs> yes, we could use our fingers for sure. There were other things that were able to happen. But, yeah. you know, I just, I think oral is so special. I always have. For me, I like, I think of it as 
this like gifting form of intimacy where, you know, one person is providing this like joy and pleasure of like the highest extent for their partner and their partner is just able to fully enjoy that. Like, I think it's so beautiful. It's such a wonderful way to connect. And so not being able to do that on our honeymoon, it was really sad. And it really did get me thinking like, you know, it was a bummer that dental dams weren't readily available there or readily available, like, you know, at drugstores in the United States. But I, you know, I started thinking about why. And since I had been a sex educator during college, you know, I, I'd had a lot of conversations with people about dental dams also since I had used them, um, you know, in my twenties and early thirties. And, you know, I think overall the idea of using a dental dam is really unpleasant for a lot of people. Um, you know, having to utilize two hands to hold it in place the entire time, having to have on your mind, like, let's make sure not to twist it slightly, because if it twists slightly, then any of the STIs that we're trying to prevent are going to be moved to the other side and are going to touch our other mucous membrane. So, you know, having to worry about that the entire time is, it's just something that's in the back of your head and preventing you from fully enjoying the experience. Yeah. From being able to feel present. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the fact that it's called a dental dam is just such an unsexy term to have to integrate that into your activities. And then really just the fact that it's always been this stigmatized laughingstock product. Um, it's hard to start a conversation about it. And I think that that, yeah. So I, I think that that is one of, or I think those are a lot of the reasons why dental dams haven't really taken off in the U.S. or throughout the world. And so I thought, what kind of experience did I, like, would I want it to have had on my honeymoon, on this romantic vacation? Yeah. Um, I would have really liked to be able to slip something on that felt to me like it was, you know, just regular lingerie or regular underwear. I would have really wanted to not need to use my hands to hold it in place. Mm -hmm. I really would have wanted to be able to feel all of those great sensations um, without having to think about protection. Mm -hmm. And that's when I had the idea, wait, what if the dental dam were actually like sexy lingerie? That was something that was really beautiful and that people actually wanted to wear. And what if you were able to feel everything through it? And what if it was, you know, a great experience for the giver too? Uh, oral dams, you know, another downside of oral dams is, you know, you go like that and you're sucking in this like large portion of rubber. It's, it's not a comfortable sensation because the product is loose. Um, And I thought, you know, if something were more like underwear, it's not going to suck into your mouth. If you're a giver, it's going to be a more experience, a better experience for us as givers as well. And I just really got excited about all of these things. And, um, you know, I had known that being a lawyer wasn't necessarily going to be the rest of my life. And I felt like I had figured out, like, I think this is what it is going to be. (laughs) Like, I'm going to create, uh, like reinvent a sexy dental dam. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. So enter laurels. Um, they're super cute. Uh, tell us a little bit about like what they're made of, like how people can use them. Um, yeah, all, all about them. And, and they're just cute as underwear too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so laurels are silky latex undies for pleasure and protection during oral and rimming. They are feather light on the skin mm-hmm. and they're just so ultra thin that you're able to feel all of those sensations through them. We have two different product lines. Uh, one of them is laurels for protection and that is our, um, FDA cleared STI protection product, um, cleared by the FDA last year in 2022. Congratulations. I mean, see, you really had it well done in the sense that you have this legal background because there is so much legal shit that goes into making a company and the contracts and the patents and the LLC and this and that. And like, you made it, you made it happen. I really think that having the law background was so relevant. I, totally. You know, this, the peer sex education background also relevant, but like the legal background really did help a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so laurels for protection. And then there's also laurels for pleasure, which are, um, you know, the same feel as the protection undies, but those are for playtime, fashion, comfort, and confidence. Um, and so the purpose for having this other line aside from STI protection, it was basically derived from all of these conversations that I had with folks after I had thought of the idea for laurels, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't quite gathered the confidence to leave my law job and start doing this. So I talked with several people about their oral sex experiences and I basically came up with all of these other ideas for how people could use this product if it weren't simply a flappy sheet of rubber and instead were something, you know, that was like lingerie. So basically people were like, wow, I like, that's really hot. I love latex. I could use that for kink purposes, but then also be able to have oral sex through it. That's Mm -hmm. really awesome. Mm -hmm. So those conversations. Oh yeah. Can you, can you elaborate on some of the other ways that the pleasure options can be used? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So in addition to that, other conversations that I had were, um, you know, like one conversation I had was um, with a friend who had vaginismus and oral would in theory be a really great way for mm, her. She to, was feeling too sensitive. Exactly. She was feeling too sensitive for her. It was both the, the sensitivity of the vaginismus. Um, but then it was also just like the, the shyness. And, and this was her husband. She had been married to him for several years but she still had some shyness with engaging with him. Um, I think that this is a way a lot of folks feel like oral is very, very intimate for some people. It's easy and no big deal, but for other people, it can be really hard. And so she loved the idea of being able to have this barrier so that she could enjoy all of the sensations, but not have to think about the intimacy that was a little scary for her. Yeah. Um, I mean, me personally, I, I love the idea of a, of a barrier in that way, because I'm, I'm such a like slow, sensual person. And so I, yes. my favorite part about sex is like leading up to the lead up basically. And so like loving the long extended kissing for a long time or like the dry humping or the over the pants to where you just like can't take it anymore. 
And so like for me, I know a lot of people think a barrier is not sexy, but I think a barrier is super sexy. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, A lot of other people will use them because their partner has scratchy facial hair. Oh, and, that, I didn't even think about that. What a great idea. Oh my yeah, God. Yes. I mean, if you're like, I like mustache red you sometimes. You want but that beard burn, you know? Yeah. You want the sensations, but not the beard burn. Totally. Um, them, yeah. For period oral, they'll use them for rimming. Like a lot of people love the idea of rimming. But, but don't want to eat ass. You, yeah. you, yes, exactly. And you don't want to think about poop and... Yeah. The morals, like you're able to slip them on. You don't have to think about the shit that <laughs> the shit that shit, you don't want to think about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you don't have to think about shit. Oh, <laughs> maybe we should turn that into a tagline. Um, <laughs> but sure. yeah, I mean, it's a really great way to engage in rimming. Yeah. Um, also, you know, before creating the the company, I talked with some trans and non, non-binary folks who mm. um, experienced dysphoria during oral. And they were like, you know, if I could just wear something and not have to think about my bits, I would enjoy oral so much more. And mm. so, you know, laurels for pleasure exist for all of those reasons, you know, from kink to period oral to dysphoria. And oh, like, you yeah, know, I love that. So many I didn't even think about that for the dysphoria piece. I'm imagining like for someone who has a, you know, penis, but doesn't feel like it's a penis or doesn't want it to be a penis and having it kind of be able to, to feel and look more like maybe the, the bits or the vulva, uh, that they want and have it feel like more yeah. compressed and compact so that you can receive more like the idea of eating out or kind of lingus as opposed to blowjob. Totally. Oh, that's a great point. I, I and, love and we have some videos on our TikTok account. And then I think we also have a blog post that discusses, um, you know, particular um, experiences such as that, um, you know, trying to provide, um, you know, more information about how to use laurels. Yeah. Um, if you have a penis and you don't want to be thinking about your penis. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, folks from a variety of different um, like reasons that they would use the product. We go into a lot of detail on that on our TikTok account and then also on our blog. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Iroha and we are also so excited to have them as one of the esteemed sponsors for our upcoming live show Afternoon Delight happening February 10th. Iroha is a Japanese sexual wellness brand created to help everyone discover and redefine pleasure. Iroha believes that it is important to prioritize the pleasure that our bodies desire as an essential part of self-care. I want to tell you about a pleasure tool from Iroha that I'm really excited about, the Iroha SVR. It is a rechargeable vibrating ring with seven vibration modes in a variety of beautiful colors. Suitable for both partnered and solo pleasure. It's waterproof and made of body-safe silicone, which is so important. Buy the Aroha SVR and get a chance to save 50% off Aroha Rin for a limited time only. And when you purchase the Aroha SVR, you will get one free Tanga Egg Lovers. Just go to sluttyscholars.com and click on the Aroha link. 
The SVR series has been listed as one of the 13 best vibrating rings by Women's Health, and I can understand why. It is super fun to use with my partner, but sometimes I like to just use it by myself because I enjoy it so much. Luckily, you don't have to choose, and you can use it solo or partnered to elevate your Valentine's experience. No matter what's going on for you, you deserve pleasure this Valentine's Day and every day. So go to sluttyscholars.com and click on the Aroha link to get that Aroha SVR and the awesome deals that come along with it. So go get your self-care on now with Aroha. And so what is the sort of protective uh, percentage or whatever for folks who are using laurels correctly um, to help people prevent against unwanted STIs? In order to get FDA cleared, we have to undergo and pass the same tests that condoms and then that that oral dams have to go through in order to receive their FDA yeah. clearance. Um, and so, you know, the products um, have to be tested to ensure that they're non-porous, so there's not any microscopic holes that STIs can pass through. Um, they also have to be tested to ensure that they have um, the proper stretching amount, and also that they're not going to easily tear when they're stretched. Um, and uh, then also uh, resistance to um, items that might cause holes, um, right. you know, uh, lubes and things. Burst, water burst, those yeah. kinds of things. And then also the packaging is tested to make sure yeah. that the packaging doesn't, you know, doesn't make the product inside susceptible to holes or tears over time. We also have to test to ensure that over the two-year shelf life, the, yeah. um, you know, the physical properties of the product is not going to change. Mm -hmm. um, and so laurels are meant to be protective um, against all of the STIs um, that are commonly occurring and that basically anything that occurs um, due to skin-to-skin -skin contact in the areas that are covered by laurels and then due to fluid transfer. Um, but as with condoms and oral dams, um, you know, no latex product is or, or any kind of product is all is going to be 100% effective every time. Um, you need to make sure that you use laurels carefully. You need to follow the instructions on how they're put on. It's a little bit different than the regular undies. Hopefully laurels can expand to those with latex allergies at some point because uh, I know there's an ask for that and it doesn't, and a lot of those materials don't have that same stretchiness <laughs> that uh, is appealing. I was actually just a couple nights ago having a conversation with my friend about our feelings on latex condoms. And, um, and so funny story, one of the reasons that I was a little bit hesitant to start laurels is because I had had reactions to latex condoms in the past. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe I was allergic to latex. And I knew that you know, 90% of the world's condoms are made of natural rubber latex. Um, it's much easier to get a product through or a new product through FDA clearance if it's natural rubber latex than it is if it's an alternative material. Um, and so I knew that if laurels were created, they would probably need to start out as being made of natural rubber latex. And I was really worried because I was like, am I allergic to 
what this product is. Um, and then I talked to my doctor about it. I got a latex allergy test and I was not allergic, fortunately. And what I realized is that for apparently for myself and then for a lot of other folks who react poorly to latex condoms, um, we're actually reacting poorly to the like to the lubricant that yes. is a part of the latex condom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if companies do this anymore, but when I was in college and we were working at the Peer Health Resource Center, I remember that certain companies would use a small amount of spermicide in their yeah. lubricants, which yeah. for some people can cause small micro abrasions in your mucous membrane, which can make you irritated and actually increase infection uh, transmission. And so, yeah, I think that's, I'm so glad you said that because it would be worthwhile for people who are feeling irritated by run-of-the-mill rubber latex condoms to actually get tested to see, is it the latex or is it just the brand that's using other additives with that weird lube or the little powdery stuff, you know, like all the stuff going on in there, or like, is it the quality of that? Right. I totally agree. And I, you know, I think it's a little bit unfortunate that natural rubber latex gets a bad reputation. Um, I, you know, absolutely. There are people who are indeed allergic to natural rubber latex. You need to make sure that you are not. Before yes. You get tested for it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a beautiful process that, you know, is, is natural and yeah. not, you know, created by plastics as basically all of the alternatives to natural rubber latex are, um, you know, it's, uh, the, the sap is tapped from these rubber trees. Um, I actually like went to go watch that process happen when I was working on a product. And it's amazing. I mean, just like the white sap comes out of the tree and it's like collected inside of this bowl. It, it, it's a really, really cool process. And, um, it made me have a lot of respect for natural rubber latex and kind of wonder why latex has, you know, such a negative reputation. And I think a lot of it is because of these like additives to condoms. Um, with laurels, the texture is also very different from utilizing a, um, you know, a natural rubber latex condom, um, which kind of will often have kind of a sticky or tacky texture, partially because of the lubricant, but then also partially just because of the, the manufacturing process. Um, laurels instead have this like silky skin like feel um, that's just like very smooth and soft. So if you have any question as to whether um, you know your allergy might be to something other than natural rubber latex, I really do recommend getting um, you know looking into this and getting a test. Um, when laurels initially launched. Um, we thought we would be like other medical device companies and be able to raise millions of dollars and yeah. hire staff and, um, you know, launch a huge variety of products. And, um, you know, I think due to a lot of the stigma that exists within sexual wellness and then in particular within like non-intercourse intimacy, um, we, th- th- that hasn't really been our journey. So it, we do intend on creating an, non-latex version of laurels, but it is in the future. Um, And I really hope that people, um, you know, aren't deterred from using laurels in the meantime, um, due to negative experiences they've had with like lubricated or spermicidal condoms. Right. 
And I imagine that that may also relate to like how it's been advertising and marketing on social media and stuff like that. Because as we're talking about, there is a disparity between products that are for intercourse or for penises versus products that are for vulvas or other diverse bodies. So sounds like maybe you've also hit some ceilings there. Yeah, we have. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's really been a, a journey, kind of more like a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, when during the pandemic, I loved TikTok. It was just my favorite platform. I loved watching how you know people would do all these dances and put their own little twist on it. It just brought me a lot of joy. And really felt like community during, you know, a really hard time for all of us. Yeah. Um, and because I love the platform so much, I was like, I, I think we should make a TikTok account for Laurels and try to participate in some of this fun and community. And then also share more about um, this product. And so, you know, very naively, we launched our TikTok account and started making TikToks Mm -hmm. and almost all of them got taken down, (laughs) like just one after another. Sounds Um, about right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so probably after we had done about 15 TikToks and I imagine that mm, 10 or 11 of them had you know, been wiped from the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of put on my my lawyer hat and I did just like a point by point analysis of all of the TikToks we had done to figure out which ones were getting past the censors and which ones were not. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful. But we basically learned at that point and things have changed since then. But at that point, we were able to talk about sex and we were able to do things that were sexy, like, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, vaguely sexy, like, you know, like make a cute face, like, you know, come hither or show a vibrator or, um, or basically show laurels on somebody's body. You couldn't do anything sexy and also talk about sex, but you yeah. could do something sexy or talk about sex. And so that was our takeaway. And that served us well for a while. Um, and TikTok has actually been so great for us um, ever since we did that. And, you know, every six months or so, we kind of have to tweak, like, you know, how is the algorithm changing? Um, What are things we can't say? We actually learned recently that we can't say mouth fun or mouth play anymore. Or really? Videos. Yeah. So what are we supposed to say? Um, So our, what we. Oral delights. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, we're now saying going down. Um, I think that that is going to work for us moving forward. You know, knock on, knock wood on to wood. knock on. Knock okay, on here's some wood to knock on. Um, like, hopefully that will work moving forward. But basically yeah. anything that said mouth fun, mouth play, oral you know, oral segs. Um, yeah, segs. Or oh, so, so are they, are they, uh, are they limiting SEGGS now? Have they caught on? To I, yeah, they are limiting, limiting SEGGS. I wouldn't say that anymore. I would yeah. say intimacy probably or like, yeah, intimacy. Yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, so like we did an analysis of TikTok shows you like what percentage of your views come from the for you page. And that's basically how your videos can grow and become viral. And yeah. when we use words, 
that our oral, oral zags, mouth, mouth fun, mouth play, um, our videos just weren't getting pushed to FYP. So we're, we're making that adjustment right now. Um, but the other thing that's a really big bummer right now um, is TikTok is really pushing um, like videos that have a product for sale in them um, through their TikTok shop. And Which is frustrating because be yeah, I was going to say, you can't promote sexual wellness products and you also can't promote dating apps. Yeah. 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 I think that's a really interesting one too. Um, but you know, both of them. We'll find a way you're a lawyer. You'll find a way. Well, we tried, we, we tried to do it and, um, basically completely sanitize the product and take, Mm -hmm. you know, all mention of sex out of it, but then people don't know what they're buying. It's, it's not good. So I'm really hoping that that's going to change in the future. Um, I mean, I just imagined a series of doing like the hot wing challenge or like a food tasting thing while wearing laurels on your mouth. Oh my God, Nicoletta. (laughs) Okay, you do it. You have to include me in it. (laughs) Yes, that's so cool. People will know what it is. You you hold it up and it's like underwear, right? But then you're like, don't want to eat spicy foods, but like want to hang with the, with your friends for like football night, use laurels for your hot wings. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so fun! Going to the in-law, going to the in-laws' house, and like, don't want to eat their shitty food. Try laurels. Yeah, yeah, I totally love that. A lot of our videos that have like gone most viral and like gotten millions of views have been food related. Like we've done some with uh-huh. pumpkins, and then with yeah. watermelons, and like putting laurels on them. Um, yeah. It's fun putting laurels on a pumpkin. It really fits pumpkin, over it. it has, yeah. Yeah. It has like the bumps and stuff. Yeah. It's so cool. Okay. If you do the hot wing challenge with laurels, please include me because I okay. love spicy food and now I like can't eat it because I'm older and fucking acid reflux. And so. Same. Maybe, Can you not have coffee either? I wasn't a coffee person, which is like very rare. I know. Crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, spicy, like I put tapatio hot sauce on everything. And now my food tastes like nothing. And like all the things that are acidic are the things that I love. And so yeah. maybe at least to be able to get the smell, but like not have the hot sauce. <laughs> maybe this is the way. <laughs> that. <laughs> Let's hang imagine? out. Let's hang out and do a weird hot sauce thing to see if we can like remember the taste but it, we were not having it go in because it's just on the laurels but at least we can, i can smell the tapatio that's hilarious this is so relevant for my life Please right tell now. me yeah <laughs> this is relevant for my life i guess we're uh we're aging yeah i mean you know side note i'm having to like not drink alcohol anymore and uh, yeah. that is an enormous change but you yeah. know Love California sobriety. <laughs> um, one thing I want to ask um, if you're comfortable answering before we before we wrap up, um, you mentioned before we were doing our podcast that um, you are somebody who lives with Tourette's. Um, and I'm curious if you're willing to share, I haven't talked much about it um, on the show, um, just kind of how that's shown up for you and how, um, yeah, maybe how that's impacted like needing to find your voice around this really important company. Yeah, I really do think it it has. So um, Tourette's is presented like differently in me than um, it normally does. So normally it's something that 
it, you get in early childhood and it kind of goes away during your teenage years. And for me, it was basically the opposite. Like um, it started for me when I was about 16. Um, um, back then, the only texts that I had were these like high pitched squeals Mm. And um, it sounded like a, a mouse. It was actually like kind of cute. Mm. And, um, you know, my family would, was wondering what it was. They, you know, kind of thought that I was just doing it. I don't think we really had knowledge that like Tourette's was even a yeah, thing okay. back then, or especially like, you know, in a 16 year old. Mm. Um, so then over time, the ticks started kind of expanding and um, turned into these things that kind of sounded like burps and then also things that sounded like grunts. And um, they got louder and they got um, like more frequent. Mm. And so, you know, I went to college and law school in New York and you're often walking outside. You don't really have like a lot of privacy, like I do kind of now driving around in my car, nobody's hearing me tick. But back then, you know, I'd walk down the streets of New York and I would tick all the time. And, you know, at first I was self-conscious about it, but over time you just have to get used to it. Mm -hmm. And so I got used to people looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, and it just stopped bothering me. I stopped caring. And then you know, I, Tourette's was kind of impactful for me when I started Laurels for two reasons. One of the reasons was, you know, after I had the idea and I started talking with folks about the idea, yeah. but before I had left my job, um, I was really struggling with, do I want to quit this like stable and very steady career? And, um, you know, fight financial comfort, which I don't think I appreciated <laughs> enough when I had it. Um, do I really want to leave all of those things and like kind of jump into this giant question mark? And honestly, I probably wouldn't have done it if it weren't for the Tourette's because once I had the idea, I started ticking so much. It was like 60 times a day I was counting. Um, you know, mm. I think prior to that was probably- but Would you like say like it often comes up for you when you're needing to like listen to your body? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I it, it's brought on sometimes by stress That's and by cool. excitement. Yeah. And it really felt like my body was telling me, you need to do this. You need to go for it. Like stop sitting here in front of the computer because while you're sitting here in front of the computer, you are constantly ticking and you cannot write this legal brief. Yeah. You know, um, it, my body was saying, get up and leave and go start this business. And so eventually I listened to my body and my Tourette's and, um, and I decided to go for it. I truly do not think I would have if I didn't have Tourette's. Wow, that's interesting. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. Absolutely. So looking at it as like sometimes an indicator of like how you're doing, right? Like how yeah. stressed am I? How excited am I? What's, what is my body telling me? Totally. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I, oral sex is, is stigmatized and I kind of knew it before I got into this space, but I didn't realize to what extent, 
Um, you know, I think that a lot of folks are really uncomfortable talking about sex generally, yeah. especially when you're, you know, in a professional context and you're, you know, yeah. uh, and especially non-penetrative. Yeah. 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 And you're, you know, you're trying to go and apply for a loan and they ask you what your business does or you're looking for investors and, yeah. you know, your former lawyer colleague is sending an email to somebody that they know and they have to say that your company makes oral sex products. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's a lot harder for people to reconcile than I think regular, you know, than I think intercourse is and certainly more hard, like harder to reconcile than if I had, you know, created like a legal tech company or something. Um, I think that I am probably a lot more comfortable talking about it and dealing with all of that stigma because I was able to walk down the streets of New York and tick and not give a shit what people thought about me. Um, I think that has been extremely, extremely valuable for me, like in this new career. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Slutty scholars, have you bought your tickets yet to my live show, Afternoon Delight? They are running out, so don't delay. It's happening February 10th in Hollywood, California, but you can also purchase a recording to watch from anywhere in the world. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com for tickets. The link is also in the episode description. I am hosting this event alongside some of the country's top sexologists and podcasters who also happen to be past guests on this show. Dr. Tara of the Love Bites podcast, Dr. Nazanin Mowali of Sexology Podcast, and August McLaughlin of Girl Boner Radio. Between the four of us, we have the tools for having and maintaining great connection and satisfying sex, and we really want to share them with you. Afternoon Delight will feature intimate interactive conversations plus audience Q&A, all designed to help you bring more sizzle, realness, and fun to your sex life. And the swag bags are amazing. We've got some great sponsors like Vegucated, Coupley and Iroha. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your tickets for in-person delights or at-home viewing. That's adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your ticket today. It's a perfect Valentine's or Galentine's event or gift for anyone who prioritizes pleasure in their relationship or wants to. See you there. Oh, well, this has been awesome for folks listening. Um, I want people to be able to to buy laurels, to know where to buy them, uh, to connect with you, and hopefully tune into our hot wing laurels uh, challenge uh, when we create that. Um, and <laughs> if you if you want a free tester laurel, um, laurels is actually going to be um, having some options for our goodie bag for our upcoming live show, which is happening February 10th at Noya House, which is in Los Angeles near in Hollywood. Um, hosting it alongside some amazing other podcast friends and colleagues. Um, so don't forget to check us out, get those last minute tickets at uh, adlive.eventbrite.com, um, adlive.eventbrite.com. It's called Afternoon Delight. So hope to see you there and you'll be able to try out some laurels if you come. And if you can't make it and you need a refill, where can people buy laurels and, and get in touch? Uh, mylaurels.com. So it's M Y L Oral S. Um, at my laurels is our handle on all the social sites. Um, you can also, um, reach me at Instagram, um, at Melanie crystal. Uh, so M E L A N I E C R I S T O L. Thank you so much, Melanie. And and super grateful for laurels. Um, again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at sluts and scholars. 
You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Would love to see you all at the live show. Um, and please don't forget to rate and review and check out those advertiser discounts and go try some laurels and tell us what you think. Uh, Melanie, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been great. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.